0: Gotham Legend of the Dark Knight, Season 5, Episode 12, The Beginning.
1: This is Francesca Root-Dodson. I play
2: Echo on Gotham. You're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. I'm David
1: Mazouz, and you're listening to Gotham TV
2: Podcast.
1: Hey there.
0: This is Andrew Sellen, Mr. Penn, and the Ventriloquist on Gotham. And this is Scarface. And you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Yeah, yeah. And you better keep listening,
1: you hear? This is Robin Lord taylor and you are listening to Gotham TV
0: Podcast. Welcome back, fellow Gothamites and fellow detectives, to this Gotham TV Podcast, episode 143, where we are looking at the beginning, which, ironically, is the end of Gotham, Legend of the Dark Knight, season 5, episode 12, and for the series Gotham as a Mm -hmm. whole. Um, It has been a ride, fellow Gothamites, and I am one of your pilots in of this podcast. Uh, John?
1: I'm a bit depressed. This is your other host Derek. I'm a bit depressed we've come to the end of this. We've been podcasting about the show for five years. It's only been going five seasons on TV but we've been talking about it for five full years and a bit more.
0: Yeah it has been a huge huge and rewarding and fulfilling um, parts of our lives where we have Discussed this phenomenal series of Gotham. Mm-hmm. It's been through changes. It's had different things, different aims, different focuses. Mm-hmm. We've had different actors, different, <laughs> different showrunners. Uh, but it all comes to this final episode, episode 12, which is the beginning. And uh, yeah, it has been great to share Gotham with all of you guys uh, and gals in the Gotham community that mm-hmm. listen to our podcast and um, whether you listen indirectly and, and we don't know anything about it or whether you're really part of the community of Gotham TV podcast over on our Facebook uh, page and our Facebook group as well as our Twitter account mm-hmm. it has been a pleasure sharing and being part of this phenomenal community whether it is on the podcast in the Twitterverse at the conventions that all celebrate the characters, the cast, the the showrunners and, and production uh, crew that deal with Gotham. Yep. Whether it has been from San Diego Comic-Con to New York Comic-Con mm-hmm. to Heroes Villains Fan Fest to uh, you name it. Even the place up in Blackpool that we went to, which pretty much was a health hazard, uh, you name it. Um, that was Star Fury. Star Fury, yeah, exactly. Or
1: blocked it out of your mind. Yeah, it's absolutely been a pleasure to meet all of our fellow Gothamites, whether virtually or in face to face in public, wherever it was. It was awesome to meet all of you. Awesome to do this show and do this podcast for so many years. It's not over. We're no longer. We're not stopping all of our coverage of podcasts. We've been podcasting over on Defenders TV podcast about all of our Marvel stuff. We've now combined it all together over on com, where you'll get all of our future episodes going forward and all of these ones if you go want to go back and look at just the gotham stuff that's all over there already as well so make sure you subscribe to com as well wherever you find good podcasts you'll see us there yes uh, and
0: of course remember we will be uh following pennyworth mm-hmm.
1: season one as well uh of this show Yes, that's uh, due for release on the 28th of July. We saw the uh, second teaser trailer last week. These teaser trailers are about 30 seconds long, just giving an indication of what's going on in the show. Remember, uh, the showrunners for this show, Danny Cannon and Bruna Heller, are getting back together to start a Pennyworth. It seems like they couldn't get far enough away from the DC Comics universe when they started off Gotham, because it's obviously got all the villains in there now. So they decided to go even further back in time so they wouldn't have the pressure of the Batman and and DC universe in this Pennyworth show. They're going to tell the story. of young Alfred Pennyworth in London. As far away from Gotham as you can possibly get. But <laughs> really looking forward to it. It's going to be kind of exciting to see what they can really do in with a character that nobody knows too much about in their early years. They have referenced already that this is very similar character to the one we see in Gotham. But most of the rest of the stuff we see is so far in the past that we won't get any kind of indications to any Mr. J's or anything like that from the Pennyworth series. But really excited to see what they're going to do.
0: Yeah, so come on over fellow Gothamites and join us over on TV Podcast Industries, or TVPI for short, uh, and, yep. yeah, join in our Pennyworth podcasts. Yes, I wish uh, we'd gotten short. the
1: website for TVPI.com, but I think that might be taken by a couple of private investigators working in TV, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. So, unfortunately, yes, at the moment, TV Podcast Industries is the way you'll find us, but I'm sure we'll find us under Gotham Podcast for a while. So.
0: so, I think with that, on with our spoiler-filled review of this, the final episode of Gotham. Mm-hmm. Of season five of the series as a whole of Gotham TV podcast. Let's start at the beginning of the last episode of Gotham uh, called
1: "The Beginning." Mm-hmm. Yes, this episode was directed by Rob Bailey. Uh, he's directed so many episodes of this show. This is the eleventh episode of Gotham wow. that he's directed. Uh, he has directed the season three finale of this show. It's not often that that Danny Cannon and John Stevens aren't involved in the finale, uh, so Danny Cannon has been involved in many of the finales in the past, and the and the pilot or the premiere episodes of the show but unfortunately he's already off working on Pennyworth at the moment so he's not on this one but Rob Bailey has directed loads of episodes over the past Uh, he did Penguin Our Hero uh, earlier on this season, it's episode 3 of this season as well Uh, John Stevens is of course back to write the final episode, this must have been his dream episode, he's been waiting to have an episode where he gets to play with the full grown up versions of, uh, of the villains and of Batman himself in this episode so you can tell his fingerprints are all over this episode aren't they?
0: Yes, his greasy burger print <laughs> are all over this episode for sure
1: <laughs> but this is his 13th episode of gotham he's written so many episodes right back to the awful first episode <laughs> balloon man which got him the gig as showrunner but hey look he obviously learned his lesson from writing that awful episode to get the point to the point where he's now showrunner on the show and guided the show for the last four seasons uh, last three seasons sorry since bruno heller left at the end of season two so you can kind of tell that he's been waiting for this moment more than anybody else
0: yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it's a, a good, good episode.
1: hmm John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for this episode of Gotham, the finale of season five? Sure. As a more portly penguin prepares to leave
0: Blackgate Prison after 10 years, strange <laughs> things begin to take place in Gotham on the eve of Bruce Wayne's return for the opening of the new Wayne Towers. Whispers are abound of a dark menace blighting the criminal underworld, while the GCPD are unable to trace missing U.S. military supplies. As the day arrives and Penguin walks free, more offbeat moments ensue as the Riddler is busted out of Arkham Asylum and a shaken Harvey Bullock is framed for the murder of an Arkham guard. As Jim Gordon begins to piece together the evidence, helped by an unknown figure in black, (gasps) a sinister plot targeting the city of Gotham and Wayne Towers is revealed to be masterminded by Jeremiah Velasca. Who's that? Or is that Jack, Mm. Joseph, Mm. John, or Mr. J? Hang on, you? No, well, only, only on a full moon. Okay. As Jim prepares to face the disfigured Jeremiah at Ace Chemicals, a new figure emerges to be the hero that Gotham needs. It's oh. great to have the Joker and Batman in this episode. Fantastic. Fergus to Gotham mm-hmm. for bringing them into this really little neat and really little tight um batman beginnings episode it's just really really smartly done this uh-huh. um so fur jews i am really looking forward to looking at our top five to be honest
1: yep really looking forward to diving into this one definitely also very interesting after all of the teasing and all of the coaxing and all of the well spoiling that's been going on from uh, from the people behind gotham they genuinely don't have The word Joker or the word Batman said in this final episode. They did everything they possibly could to make it very plain and clear that that's what they're saying here. But we have the man dressed as a bat and we have, I don't really know what my name is, but that's a joke. So so I like it, and every, every word begins with J, so very cool that we're on this final episode. But John, let's get into case note number one. Just one thing to mention before we get into it, because obviously we're going to go right into full spoilers on this final episode, but obviously the show itself starts off with a final moment with David Mazous, uh, going off to Nepal, we think, which is where the character uh, appeared at the start of uh, Batman Begins, going off to get his initial training, effectively. So with, this is the bit that ties in quite directly with the uh, mythos that was kind of created by by Christopher Nolan and, the, and uh, Jonathan Nolan when they did their version of Batman Begins. So having this final scene with David Mazouz at the beginning of the episode does tie it all back in. So while this episode feels very standalone for the rest of it, I actually think you could have put episode 11 and episode 12 back to back and just had this after the ad break setting up the fact that we were going into this 10-year leap or 10-year time jump, I suppose.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um,
1: yeah. It, it, it probably work quite well in a binge.
0: That was a really really nice moment, actually, with with Bruce arriving at the the docks in a, a far off land, mm-hmm. uh, and you get to look towards the mountains and the monastery that exactly. he, he's aiming for. Yep. Uh, Nepal maybe not quite as close to the sea, being a, a landlocked <laughs> country that not it enough. is, but nonetheless, that that kind of thing, massive um, lake,
1: then. really. <laughs>
0: Yeah, really, really uh, good to see. And I I think that's one of the great things about this episode is that, you know, because they're curtailed by rights issues and all this, you know, they can't say the Joker, they can't say Batman, and all this kind of crazy nonsense in a way. I I know Mm -hmm. it's down to proprietary rights and all that kind of stuff. They are able to really give this feel of Batman. Mm-hmm. of the Joker of Batman's beginnings you know it really does connect in nicely and it does it in such a smart um succinct way for this final episode that it 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 feels so familiar but it feels really fresh as well it is like Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins collides with Batman 66 and mm-hmm. um, certainly with the Riddler and the Penguin Absolutely. there. And it's really, really nice in yeah. that sense. Well,
1: there's some great comic book nods here as well. There's some animated series nods. There's the other Batman movie nods that we'll talk about as we go through our top five case notes. Let's get on to our first case note, John. Uh, kind of be kind of Barbara Keene, property tycoon. She stand, stood by her word. Um, we saw her last episode effectively saying that if she was able to give up the bad life, the evil life, would Jim Gordon leave her alone? Would he? Would he let her... Building a life for herself, and yeah, we see the way that she's built a life for herself as effectively investing loads of money in land, yeah, in Gotham.
0: I mean, it must be to pay for her therapy bill, really, (laughs) to get her on that even keel. Um, And I think it's kind of interesting, you know, ten years, a lot of time has passed, you know, a lot of water under the bridge, Mm -hmm. and I think it's good that we see Barbara Keane, even keel. I like the fact as well that we go back to the sirens. She goes to get her gun. It's like she's left it there, and um, it's, it's like you know she's given up smoking and she's put that that um, final packet of cigarettes that have still got a couple of smokes left in, uh-huh. and she's had to go back for them because of the craziness that is happening on the eve of Bruce Wayne returning and the opening ceremony for Wayne Towers yeah. uh, so I like that they do nod back to her that but obviously you know she has become very successful I like the fact that you know in the vacuum of that no man's land she came in uh, with the wealth from the Sirens Club and bought up all, all these kind of property mm-hmm. uh, plots you know she's just built skyscrapers it's like she's going for the biggest uh, phallic skyscraper in gotham <laughs> trying to surpass the new wayne towers and i i really like this i like that she's on this even keel because i think that really kind of then it ties her in nicely to the 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 batman mythos and her daughter with uh, young barbara uh, gordon uh, to be the oracle and so on and so
1: forth. Yeah, yeah lovely little Barbara Lee Keane. Uh, first, our first look at the youngest member of the Gordon family in this episode, so a 10-year-old Barbara Lee uh, after last episode, I suppose. Um, it is really interesting, isn't it? As we've said before, and I'm sure many, many people have said, Barbara Gordon, or Barbara Keane, at the beginning of the show, in episode one, the pilot, was a pretty messed up character in herself, but not too messed up. She was just a socialite that was, you know, sleeping around on Jim Gordon. That's kind of it, and had a bit of a a drinking problem, and that kind of stuff. She was a dysfunctional, rich person, and there's plenty of those. Absolutely, and now... There's also plenty of these. She's just a criminal who has a, a property empire. You know, there's, it's not the first uh, criminal that will, f- that have funneled their money through, uh, through property. And so I suppose she's in, for, for Gotham, she's definitely a reformed character, we'll say. She's no longer killing people, it seems. So, but I do love that now she's still as competitive as she always was. She's saying to, to Jim, I can't wait to see Bruce come back. And he goes, Why? And she goes, Well, I want to tell him that, you know, this building's going to be bigger than Wayne Towers after just a couple of weeks of it being open, you know. So she's still as competitive as she always was. I do love the touch as well, so we do get Jim with his mustache, or ten years on, we knew we'd get the mustache in the yeah, that final is true, final actually. episode. But all it takes is a quick word from Barbara Keane slagging off his moustache and he goes home and shaves it. So showing that she still has a draw over him.
0: Yeah, she has a, a bit of power over Jim. Was it a slug or was it a caterpillar? A caterpillar, a, a hairy caterpillar. caterpillar. Yeah. Caterpillar. Um, yeah, caterpillar. Yeah, I mean, it was really nice, um, I think, that, that touch to have Jim with his uh, moustache and then him really kind of realising the absolutely catastrophic, good-luck faux pas that he's done by having that moustache um, on his face. <laughs> so he, he goes and shaves it off. I love the fact that, as well, Barbara has got this fiery red hair as well, mm-hmm. which looks like it's a nod to the, the fiery red hair that Barbara in the comics has in terms of Barbara Gordon, her, her daughter. Right. Yeah. So it's a nice little touch here, kind of uh, adding this this fiery red head. To um, to the mix here, and, and certainly, um, it, it's just really good seeing her step up to that sort of motherhood plate here. That I didn't think she ever would. If you had told me that the person that chucked herself off the church in the bridesmaid dress, a wedding would dress, have not even a, bridesmaid a, dress, a, yeah, wedding dress, wedding dress, would be um, seemingly a fully functional parent with yeah. a young seemingly well-adjusted daughter um, with a booming property empire, I would have gone Barbara Keane on it.
1: (laughs) Not a chance, not a chance. Uh, It is interesting you bring up the, the, the fiery red hair. I always associated that with Batwoman, not with Batgirl, not with Barbara Gordon. I always just thought of Barbara Gordon as just someone who has who has ginger red hair, never fiery red, that always felt like, yeah, Batwoman, a very different character uh, in the comic books. But really cool to see this little family unit. And we see Lee Tompkins in here as well when Jim goes home. So they are all still connected with each other. You see how protective they all are of young Barbara Lee Gordon, uh, as we saw this slightly grown-up version of her in this first episode. Very cool to see. And maybe in 10 or 20 years' time, when they do a sequel to Gotham, we'll see uh, we'll see young Barbara Gordon even older again, perhaps.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think... On to case note number
1: two. Yeah, we're kind of going to go character by character as we go through the show, really, because it is all about where are our favourite characters ten years on from the end of the rest of the show, the leaving of Bruce Wayne from Gotham, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And case note number two is Penguin and Riddler. Oswald Cobblepot and Ed Nigma. Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> really, really good to open this up with the Riddler in Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um, actually both of them have suffered immensely under Jim Gordon. Uh, rather than being praised for them standing shoulder to shoulder, as Oswald says to, to Jim, fighting the the forces of um, Nyssa al Ghul mm-hmm. and Bane and the sort of corrupt military. Uh, instead, six months later, they are, well, Riddler is chucked into Arkham mm-hmm. and uh, Oswald into Blackgate prison. So it is really interesting to see a slightly unhinged Riddler in Arkham Asylum with a vegetative Jeremiah Valeska here um, in a wheelchair, drooling immensely. Certainly after Ed um, shoves a blunt pencil into his leg. Not a flinch from Jeremiah here. But apparently that's what you do. You don't paint his bald head. You um, instead... Uh, thrust a broken pencil through the thigh of, of him. But it, You've got
1: to treat this legend with respect, really, is the point. <laughs> but it is interesting. Like They always say that people consider themselves the hero of their own story. And we know that a lot of fans of Gotham consider Oswald and Ed to be heroes of the show or to be the main characters of the show in some senses. Interesting, though. I know Oswald's saying, Jim, I stood shoulder to shoulder with you. But just a mere six months later, you arrested me and put me in Blackgate prison for ten years a mere six months in Gotham what did he actually do in those six months it got me so interested to know what was it that he did there is a
0: story there it's definitely there? a story definitely, that put him behind
1: yeah. bars Jim I think Jim did actually free him and said if you stay on the straight and narrow you're grand you're golden just like he did with Barbara Keane, he gave the option to both of these guys to stay on the straight and narrow but they couldn't do it Help! they can't even do it on the way home from prison in this case or the way over to prison in this case they both definitely broke their arrangement with Jim right Definitely.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, as well, the Riddler was very much um, plotting his rise to the top of the food chain um, in, in Gotham. Uh, possibly with Penguin. Obviously, the yeah. backstabbing didn't actually happen in the last episode. Yeah. But um, you know, Riddler becomes aware that Bruce is coming back and that Penguin is going to be freed from Blackgate. Uh, it's, it's interesting that they've been separated into uh, respective uh, institutions. Yes.
1: You'd always feel, though, that Riddler is the more unhinged of the two that we've seen over the course of the series. We know that he had mental issues in the past where he was seeing other versions of himself, you know? Um, So you'd always feel that he is slightly more unhinged than Penguin, right? I think
0: he has a more narcissistic view of himself. It's more self-centered. It's all about him. You know, Penguin, even with um, the... The whole scene down by the docks with Jim Gordon reliving that episode one, season one moment. Uh, You know, he does talk about his sense of being a part of Gotham as well. So, you know, you, you hear him talk about his mother, Gertrude. All of these things give a hint that the Penguin is not quite as narcissistic as yeah. the Ridley. You know, long are the days that we have heard of Christine Kringle coming out of Ed Nigma's uh, lips. Mm-hmm. It, he, and certainly in the last episode, it was about Ed and it was about him dominating and triumphing exactly. in gotham
1: exactly. but and oswald does have a certificate to say that he's sane right so so his certificate of sanity so maybe because uh ed doesn't have one of those that's why they sent him straight back well to that is true <laughs> but
0: he does break out or gets broken out of um arkham mm-hmm. and he does think then that this is oswald so yes. even though they are apart there is a a, a suspicion here there is the thought that actually uh, Penguin is working with Riddler that on the same day as his release from Blackgate that Riddler joins him through a breakout orchestrated by uh, Oswald Cobblepot Mm -hmm. and he wakes up with a note signed by Oswald and with a pile of c4 explosive so that you get to know that in the gcpd precinct that there is a pile of missing u.s military supplies Mm -hmm. uh, that has gone uh walkabout effectively and uh the fbi are keeping them in sort of out of the loop here and but the gcpd are unable to find it well guess what ed Uh, finds himself in front of a pile of this, and he is tasked with destroying Wayne Tower uh, on the return of Bruce Wayne from abroad.
1: Yes, it is really interesting there, isn't it? Meanwhile, obviously, Oswald is uh, arriving from Blackgate Prison, a very cool little moment where we have the comic book accurate version of of Oswald Cobblepot with his little monocle over the eye that he lost at the at the end of the last episode. He's got a little green uh, glass eye, I guess, in there uh, behind this new. Uh, that was monocle. awesome, actually. I really
0: enjoyed that kind of dilated pupil mm. in that eye. I just thought his look on, at least of the head with the top hat, the real pointy nose, the yeah. monocle was really well done. I'm not too sure about the padding. Um... It did feel like a few um, pillows shoved down uh, the respective pants uh, and so on.
1: I think I would take that that he put on the waist while he's been in prison and the Definitely. Out- and the outfit that he has is from before prison, yeah, so he's maybe. trying to squeeze himself into the outfit. I love that you do get that little uh, look from Riddler to him the first time they meet and he just kind of taps him, going eh, a little thicker around the waist of it. <laughs> yes. uh, but we know all along we've heard Robin Lord Taylor say that he never actually wanted to put on a fat suit for this character, but willing to do it for the final episode, right? Uh, so. I don't think we would have got it if we had a whole season set in this world in this 10 years later world of Gotham but for at least a couple of scenes fun that he actually went all out with the top hat and and cane and uh, and a rotund body we'll say
0: absolutely yeah. uh really nicely done and obviously as we move, move forward in this Oswald realizes that um he needs to get revenge on jim mm. and you get that great throwback uh, or shall i say as ed says callback yes <laughs> uh, to um the the first episode of the first season were you know tables reversed you had jim stood with the gun being asked to kill oswald cobblepot mm-hmm. uh, at, by the orders of carmine falcone this time Penguin seeking revenge on the fact that he feels betrayed by his old friend uh, for putting him into prison six months after standing shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. But as Jim says, you forget um, about this peer as he jumps off himself to escape the bullets flying from
1: Penguin's gun. Yeah, I love that. I love the, you know, you've made a big mistake bringing me here. Or you just have a very short memory, because I'm going to do exactly what you did when when I had you in this exact position. Yeah, lovely callback there. This pier has been such a feature of the show over the years. You know, we had that battle between Ed and Oswald going on for years, where it ended twice at this particular pier. We've had Jim and... As down here on this pier a few times as well and then obviously coming full circle from the first episode to the last is a lovely touch between these characters it's played as a little bit of a joke really this idea that why do people keep bringing people down to this pier if they're not going to shoot them why do they monologue in front of this place yeah, where they yeah. can get away you know <laughs>
0: well the interesting thing is is that actually um you know jim shoots the weapon by the ear of oswald yeah. and pushes him in so he yeah. he oswald doesn't escape from what jim does jim mm-hmm. just doesn't kill oswald was here we have oswald shooting at jim yeah. and jim is the one running away and diving into uh, the water to escape those flying bullets so you know that's kind of a slight difference there yeah. but uh you know as the episode goes on uh what The Riddler finds out is that it wasn't Oswald that had helped him to escape at all. And and there's a few pieces start to play in that suggest, well, it's not Oswald being the criminal mastermind behind all these uh, strange occurrences mm-hmm. uh, going on in Gotham.
1: Well, I do like that Riddler is willing to do pretty much anything uh, as long as he thinks it's connected to someone <laughs> yeah. like, like Oswald, you know, like you got the C4 in a box. And as Jim points out, there's only one place you'd plant that C4 if you were a criminal mastermind in Gotham, as he looks out the window and sees brand new Wayne Tower right there. There's not much really else that he needed to write in that letter to, to Ed uh, from Mr. J we find out. Um, Effectively, he just brings it straight up there. I love that he does the callback by kidnapping Aubrey James, Mayor Aubrey James, again, and then yeah. trying to blow him up again. They're <laughs> really good. And then we get a nice little interplay between all of the major villains that we have here. We have Barbara and we have Selena Kyle up in this building. And it is Barbara that talks to Riddler to knock him off guard. And then Selena uses Art and Bar to knock him out, really. <laughs> so another little saving moment from Selena Kyle as well. Yeah, exactly. But I think the the great thing
0: here is all these different uh, strange elements going on. You know, some of them you're kind of going, so is that the Batman or is it actually Oswald? And then you kind of, as it starts to dawn, and you're going, okay, that must have been Mister J. So Mm -hmm. there's kind of three characters here where they could all be. Um, behind some of the strange things. Obviously, Batman ain't going to blow up Bruce uh, Wayne's uh, new tower. Well, not for the second time. (laughs) But, you know, Jim, uh, Oswald, all of this, they're all embroiled in this larger picture and you're kind of working out who's doing what and Mm -hmm. I I think it's really nice uh, to have this you know and and certainly the moment you realise that maybe Oswald and uh, the Riddler have lost a bit of their edge being in prison for 10 years or thereabouts Mm -hmm. is when um, you know Oswald comes to save Edward, uh, but the car is attacked from above. And it's a really nice move. Oh, yeah. It it, it is, again, reminiscent of the uh, Dark Knight trilogy with uh, the the roof of the car being sort of caved in from above by Batman jumping from above. And I like the use of the cape here to cover the windscreen so that the driver crashes the car. And as... Both Oswald and Edward come out of the car. You know they don't know uh, who this unknown assailant is. They are kind of looking up and shrieking as the the bat swoops in over them. You know, yeah, uh, and they're found then later. Uh, very much in the the style
1: of Batman sixty six, uh, tied up, hanging from a lamppost, Yes, kicking away at the sky. Yeah, really, really good fun. Um, I suppose what I really like about this scene, and it's, it's, I know it's a TV show, but most often we see this moment from outside. We we've seen this in multiple Batman films, exactly. where you see Batman. Actually, you see it in loads of superhero films. Them landing on the criminal's car, and you always see it from the perspective of the camera watching the the hero land on top of the car in this case being inside in the middle of a conversation where the two of them effectively are poking a little bit of fun at each other and just kind of reminiscing and saying we're here to take back the city have this crack on the roof but it's just really cool it's so such a different view to see it from. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great moment. Um, And then we have that awesome moment where obviously the two of them are being taken away in their transport. A prison transport's not going to keep these two. You're going (laughs) to need to do a lot more. So very quickly, Riddler gets himself and Oswald free. They break out. You hear Oswald going, well, they're not going to give Gotham to a man dressed like a bat. And then they see him flying overhead and they go, uh, do you know? wait till tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, that's us wait till <laughs> yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is a great little moment. That's yeah. the whole point of Batman is striking fear into the hearts of these people so they stop doing their criminal activities. So just a little touch of that.
0: Yeah, it's really, really good stuff to see, actually. Um, and it, it's a nice mix of, you know, really good choreography of the, the bat. Or just nicely thought out scene. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was like... Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. The cape over the windshield. Yeah. Um, and then um, just, yeah, the the Batman 66 moment. Again, paying homage to um, all these different sort of influences that this show has had
1: yeah uh, so yeah really good also not to take away that we do get a little hero moment from leslie tompkins and from um lucius fox as well when lucius realizes that the bomb that's been planted in uh, the plans for the new city of gotham uh, that it's most likely planted in the in the clock tower and then leslie uses her doctor's hands to uh, to uh, fix that bomb and cut it cut it apart and make sure she cuts the right cables but it always ends in that hilarious moment of course when she cuts the wrong cable the clock speeds up and we have Lucius and Jim <laughs> Shetler going cut the other cable cut the other cable oh never doubted you once <laughs> great little Yeah, uh,
0: absolutely I think on to case note number three
1: mm-hmm. yes a new Selena Kyle is in the city of Gotham it is ten years later and yeah, we've been kind of feeling a few questions about this. We saw the episode a little bit early and I, I did put up our spoiler free thoughts about this new episode. And I do think one of the things I like most about this episode actually is Lily Simmons as this version of Selena Kyle. It's a brand new version of Selena Kyle. This is the first episode she's been in. And wow, it really feels like she spent so much time with Cameron Bikandova. Um Cameron did state that she didn't want to appear in this final episode. She said she was playing a teenage version of Selena Kyle and didn't want to appear as a an older 20s version of the character. But she did say she spent hours speaking to Lily about the character and the things that motivated her and the things that were behind her. I think you can really see it. And I think they even cast the look based on Cameron B. Kendova's version of the character in the show. What do you think of, of Lily's version of the character?
0: I, I thought, um, you know, I thought it was good. I mean, I suppose it's just one of those things, isn't it, really, that there's not a lot of time here Mm -hmm. um and i think that the the way the episode was set up whereby you really um you get catch glimpses of the shadow or the silhouette or Mm -hmm. the hands or the head of batman and not of the face right until the end i think because of that it was doing something very much very differently and i think there just wasn't enough time for selena kyle with played by Lily in this episode to really kind of come through but my point being is that you know the moments that she was on screen were absolutely fine yeah, it was yeah. no um it wasn't one way or another because there just wasn't enough time i mean for me um i think Cameron Beckendover it's great that she was able to spend time with Lily Simmons mm-hmm. in order to give her take on what she was trying to do with the character it's a shame as we've said in the last episode that Selina um, Kyle wasn't played by Cameron B. Kendova in this episode, given that it was such a nice sort of look back at all, you know, a lot of the main characters here. But I think Lily Simmons did a great job.
1: I think the only way you could have done it, though, is if you just had the same thing that they did with Batman, that you'd done that with Selena Kyle. I don't think you could have had... Cameron Bikendova playing Selena Kyle in the same way that you can't have David Mazouz playing Bruce Wayne in this episode. I don't think that would have been possible. Uh, I think the only thing you maybe could have done is what they did at the beginning, where you still have Cameron Bikendova kind of mourning the loss of her best friend, mourning the loss of Bruce Wayne, who's left the city. And you have a moment at the start before the 10 years later, perhaps. Yeah. But I don't think you could have aged up the actress to play this 10-year-later version of herself, and I think you needed to see Selena Kyle getting on well. Um, that scene, I have to say, though, the cat burglar scene, where we finally see this moment oh, where she's really stealing good. the diamond, uh, that is so reminiscent of the character. That's exactly what you want to see, this cat burglar, burglar character with the with the lasers going on all around the, the museum where she's stealing the diamond from. That's so cool to finally get a scene like.
0: It was really good, and I really liked as well how they brought the connection being, you know... Something slightly deeper, a bit more kind of maybe, um, instinct-like of selena going i knew i was being watched by you you know as she mm-hmm. speaks to alfred uh, tell him you know to come speak to me or to you know face me and, and talk to me face to face because i but I, I like that idea that in a sense there is this bond this unwritten uh, unspoken kind of bond between the two characters to mm-hmm. the point whereby she knows he knows when they're in each other's presence, even though she might not know that he's wearing a cape and cowl yeah. behind her, like at the, the rooftop scene. But I really kind of like that, or that she didn't turn around straight away and go, wow, your voice has dropped. Uh-huh. Uh, but I do, I really enjoyed that idea that she just knew that she was being watched, but she knew that it was being uh, done by Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't know that he's a Batman as such, or yeah. So we think... Who I think she, I think she does. Yeah, maybe she, she does. does. Yeah. But, I, you know, Selena Kyle was absolutely great in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so little scenes in it just because of what the episode is trying to do. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed uh, how she was portrayed here. But at the same time, I really wish that um, Cameron Beacon Dover had been able to reprise her role in some ways... But maybe she would have also have been in the shadows just as much as uh, Bruce Wayne or the Batman was.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the only way they would have been able to do that, unfortunately. So, uh, so nice to see it. I must say, I love the interaction between um, Selena and Alfred, where she says, "You need to go and tell him that to stay away from me." And Alfred goes, "I think that's something you need to tell him yourself." And she's kind of going, "No, no, you tell him." And he's like, so you dressed up to the nines to tell me that you don't want to see Bruce Wayne. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. He always knows what's going on in his head. It's really good. But you're right that meeting with the two of them where she meets up and tells him all she wants to tell him while he's standing behind her. I think that's one of the best scenes in the episode. Um, we do hear David Mazouz's voice in there. He's definitely that voice is definitely blended in with another actor or at least um, has been has gone through the machine that has been used for all the other Batmans to deepen their voice, you know. Uh, Batman. Exactly. <laughs> he doesn't get to say that unfortunately. But I do like that where he's saying to her, I needed to leave, and she says, well, I didn't need your protection. All I wanted was you. All I needed was you. But he says he's not leaving Gotham again, and he doesn't know where that's going to end for them. Um, But he's not leaving, which is, you know, a nice nod to their relationship, that he will be there. Even though he's gone for 10 years, he's now got the training that he's never going to leave Gotham again. Really important moment for the character, and really important that he shared that with Selina Kyle, of all people. And then the nice little touch at the end where he says, and bring back the diamonds, okay? (laughs) <laughs> yeah no absolutely and she says no of course because it is selena
0: yeah i mean that's it. it it's that whole scene as you say is just so good uh, her in the shadows with the laser beams doing her acrobatics across them whilst mm-hmm. then being watched by Batman as he sees her take the the diamond. So yeah, yeah really nice to bring it back to that as well
1: exactly. on on the rooftop for sure. Exactly. Another big character arriving in this episode for our case note number four: the arrival of Mister J. Or something, I guess. Jack. We're just going to call him Jeremiah I'm to begin yeah. with. You're, you're there, John. Yeah, I'm
0: John. Should John, should just is call that. him John? Mi- Mr. John. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Dr. John, in fact. He could have played a few smooth sort of uh, Mississippi uh, blues tracks. Maybe.
1: Maybe. But it's such a weird idea that we have here with the character. You know, I think people were complaining because they always do, unfortunately, with this actor who plays... Um, Jeremiah Velasca and Jerome Velasca. Uh, Cameron Monaghan is such a great version of this character. He plays such a great version. He's been there since back in the first season. But he's a very hardworking actor who makes movies. And he's got his other major TV show that he's on. on Shameless on HBO that he's been on for years. So he only gets a very small amount of time to, guest, to do guest appearances in the show. And every time we hear after he's been on the show... Oh, why can't they just have him in another episode? Why can't he be in more episodes? Why is he not here? And what we see here is that actually, after his incident at Ace Chemicals, he effectively went into a coma and has not been out of that comatose state in 10 years. And this was all put on, effectively, so that he could eventually meet up with Bruce again. Once Bruce left the city, he didn't want to be part of it, effectively.
0: Yeah, he's become dormant. I really like this idea that Jeremiah went dormant because... Mm -hmm. The person who he has that connection with, the person who he loves, as he says, mm-hmm. left the city. He abandoned them, he says. Um, and now that he's coming back, that's when uh, the dormancy begins to 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 shake off and you know coming out of hibernation to uh, effectively beat and attack him uh, blow up what he uh, thinks that he cares for but actually not to to kill uh Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Uh, I like that moment in Ace Chemicals as well where obviously we don't see Batman mm-hmm. but a lot of batarangs have been flying towards um Mr. J, because, um, you know, as he helps Jim save his daughter from plunging into the vat of of green goo. Batman, not Mr. J, right? (laughs) Yeah, Batman. But you, you have that moment where Mr. J is looking up and... Does he recognize him? I get the feeling that he does. He and says, I, there you are. Yeah, exactly. So this is a really uh, sort of great little moment here in, in Ace Chemicals. I mean, it's proper symbolic um, for, for what Gotham... And the batman is all about and certainly with his greatest nemesis so this to me was absolutely uh, fantastic and i like how they bring it back to his chemicals as well you know that the place of his birth and um, mm-hmm. he goes back there to really try and uh dish out um pain and suffering to the people that are connected with bruce wayne so again going after the young barbara Uh, Lee Gordon Mm -hmm. rather than Barbara Keene uh, and rather than Jim directly goes after the things that will affect them which will in turn affect Bruce Wayne because uh, you know they are the people that he cares about so this is just really you know it's kind of like the 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 psychotic Russian doll of Mr. J really Mm -hmm. that he will always go three dolls in to get the person that you least expect in order to cause
1: uh bruce wayne maximum damage well exactly like he's trying to he's trying to get bruce out he's trying to drive bruce out of the shadows is the whole thing right that's his whole plan so he doesn't want to kill bruce directly he doesn't want to actually shoot him or maim him or capture him or anything like that he just wants to draw him out and show him what he's been doing just like a a crazy little puppy i suppose (laughs) and he's just trying to get his attention all the time you know that's that's kind of the the idea of the character really um this is very similar to Jeff Johns' version of the Joker that he's done quite recently. Actually, uh, the look is very similar to the to the comic book version that's that's there as well. The idea that he knows who Bruce Wayne is and he will just taunt him with that idea is is very similar to that version of the comic books, but very different to most of the other versions of the Joker that we've seen over the years. So. It's lovely that Gotham get to do this. They get to kind of remix and, and replay a character in a different way on this show because it is a different universe. It's not set in the comic book universe. We know it's not set in the movie universe either so it's nice that they're able to do that. Um, it's great to see Echo back in this episode as well. Um, yeah, when, definitely. When I interviewed Francesca Reed Dodson a couple of months ago, uh, the actress who plays Echo, she wasn't able to tell me whether she came back. We made an agreement before uh, going on the podcast that I wouldn't ask whether she was back in the future and she was pretty clear about saying that she couldn't reveal it Anyway, and I didn't want to know, to be honest. So I was surprised. and I was excited to see her back in this episode of the show. It was really good fun to have the actress in there. And to be, I suppose, so quickly dispatched by Jeremiah once she got stabbed by, well, Stabby Babs returning to protect her daughter. um, It is interesting that she got killed immediately. And we have that line from Jeremiah saying, there will never be anybody like you, but hey, plenty more fish in the sea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, so she may have been a little template to show you the kind of woman that Jeremiah Joker is interested in, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's but that's where the nod comes from.
0: It was a really good um, death scene from Echo. I love how she turns around after Barbara has stabbed her, saying... I've been scratched, Mr. J. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, you know, that underplay of probably a massive and fatal stab wound. Yeah, uh, Really good. It's been nicked, doesn't it? Nicked, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And then to be shot and just the face on uh, Echo, uh, the the crazy kind of blood smile. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, uh, just... Pitch perfect for me for Echo. Really good. uh, How that, you know, this crazy lady uh, dies in in like an over the top crazy way, just really nicely done. Absolutely.
1: I'm guessing the last words she actually heard was, there'll never be anyone like you, Echo, which is a lovely sentiment from Jeremiah, even though the next words after she's dead is, but there's plenty of fish in the <laughs> sea, so hey, she may not have heard that as she as uh, she took her last breath. <laughs> but plenty of great moments from Cameron Monaghan Mon- Mon- here as well. I love that moment where where Jim's confronting him at Ice Chemicals and says, "How long have you pre- been pretending to be brain dead?" And his response is, "How long have you been pretending, Jim?" <laughs> that was just a joke. I like it. Really, really nice moments from from him in here. Uh, but yes, he does get taken out uh, pretty quickly by by Batman. Um We have a batarang to the hand to to knock his gun out and then we get another batterang to the head to knock him out. So he is taken out, but it's a lovely moment to have the two of them battle in Ice Chemicals where it all began really for the two of them ten years before.
0: Well it, it's it's a batterang to knock his knife away as knife well because he sorry. does get a yeah. stab in on on Jim himself. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that moment where Jim is saying, Well what do I call you? And he starts to run through, Well you can call me Jack, which is a nice little nod to Jack Napier yes. who who was the Joker in Tim Burton's Batman? And mm-hmm. um, there was also Joseph, presumably Mary and Joseph, so maybe <laughs> a little of a bit mm. of a religious
1: slant. Just a quick addendum here, jumping in just to point out that uh, Joseph. The name that Jerome actually calls himself, one of the four names that he calls himself. This is a reference to the comic books where uh, Joker went straight and changed himself back into a normal-looking human being and took on the name Joseph Kerr, or Joker. So, nice little touch there from the writers of Gotham to pull that one out of the bag. (laughs) It's in the comic book issue, uh, Going Sane. So, check that out if you want to see that moment. Then
0: me, John, because of Gotham TV Podcast. Uh And then, or John Stevens, the writer oh, of the John episode. Or John Stevens, <laughs> possibly. Yeah, that's probably more it. No, oh, no, it's not. It's not. It's John Harrison from Gotham <laughs> TV podcast. Of course, Mr. JH, um, and and then J or Mr. J, uh, and he goes, "I feel something new coming on." So really nice, you know. As I say, just getting around the, the nonsense that they can't say the Joker, even though he, you know, if something looks like a Joker, smells like a Joker, and acts like a Joker, then it's probably the Joker. It's so John. Yeah, yeah or, or me, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's um, been
1: five seasons, you know, I kind of... should see my
0: smile, fellow Gothamites.
1: <laughs> it's almost a bit of a joke at this stage, so you might as well go out not saying it, to be honest. They, they've they been able to, to categorize him as Gotham's version of the Joker, really, for so long. Why not? head out in the last episode without saying it <laughs> i'm not that disappointed to be honest i didn't need to hear the word joker said in the episode so uh, so yeah it's good fun i have to wonder how difficult must it have been for those 10 years like we know he's crazy we know this character is absolutely mental but we hear other inmates in arkham saying you know oh you can punch him in the face or you can kick him in the legs and obviously riddler stabbing him in the leg with the pencil we've got the other guy who's drawing on the back of his head He's been putting up with that for 10 years, just waiting for Bruce Wayne to come back for his moment with with him. You know, you can tell their dance is just beginning, really, you know, at this stage. Yeah.
0: And again, he, you know, the idea of the chaotic fear that uh, Mr. J puts on people is really nicely done by the Arkham Guard and Harvey Bullock mm. uh, in, in this episode as well. And it, it's nice to see... Harvey being involved with you know Mister J's plans, where he actually makes up that he killed the Arkham Guard, even though he shoots himself, and is like, "Don't say his name." Everything's tapped, everything's yeah. wired up, uh, because then he will, you know, move to enforce his plans. And I thought that was really nice. And even with the whole, um you know, just before Jim goes off to pick up um, Barbara, who then he later saves, he says you know, say hi from Uncle Harvey. Mm-hmm. So it was a nice little um, moments in in this episode, both really uh, dramatic uh, as well as cute and, and cuddly yeah. from Harvey Bullock, absolutely. which is great.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I was wondering if that if this is part of the kickoff that led to that episode that was very Harvey Bullock-central, the episode that we, that was written after this one really the one that was produced after this episode and came into episode eight or nine uh, of this season where we had a a harvey centric episode where he's trying to keep back information from jim gordon to protect him and protect other people that he was involved with so i wonder if that was where the idea kind of kicked off from if you want to tell a little story about harvey that doesn't impact everything maybe this is a kickoff point where he's uh, keeping something back because that's what we kind of see here a little bit but let's get on to our final point because Batman's here. We've talked about him a little I'm bit. Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. I'm Batman. You're the Joker. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about it just as its own point because it's been so long in the making, really. Uh, it's interesting that all the way throughout the episode we have so many characters waiting for the return of Bruce Wayne. We have it on the front of the newspaper. Bruce Wayne is coming back to Gotham after 10 years away. We do know, as a couple of references are going on in the episode, we know that Bruce Wayne has returned and has spoken to Alfred and And he's spoken to Lucius about his plan to become the Batman of the city. We have that conversation between the two of them saying, well, you know, he told us because he needs us to know his plan and all we're here for is to serve. And that's it. He can't tell Jim because Jim can't serve the Batman. He is commissioner of the city. So he can't tell Jim that's who he is. But we have to support him and we have to go along with his plan. Thought that was a nice little touch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I thought really good to bring in uh, Lucius here um, that he has now kind of, you know, gone back to Wayne Enterprises to work undercover, kind of in plain sight, really, mm-hmm. uh, as the Batman's sort of main tech guy. Yeah. Uh, and then Alfred, the loyal butler, uh, the loyal friend, the loyal guardian, uh, who also then it, it knows that he's there. It's really nice there. And I think, um, yeah, you get those, um, the mentioning uh, at the beginning of this episode references that the underground, criminal underground, and underworld ha- are being attacked by um, people, and they think it's again Oswald. It, it, it's this sort of pattern of is it Oswald? Is it the Joker? Or is it Batman? Mm-hmm. You know, is it Oswald trying to reassert himself as he comes out of Blackgate? Is it uh, the Joker trying to start and kick off? Uh, his his plans, but here, uh, you know, I, I like the fact that they say, um, you know. People hear growling, you hear that no one has died as yes. a result of this. And so you're really hearing about the Batman introducing himself to the criminal underworld. So, yeah. really
1: good. It's a good catch, John. I, I absolutely thought when I heard Harvey Bullock saying that people are hearing growling, I thought this was another wonderful Gotham reference to Killer Croc, who've been hearing about since the beginning i have never seen. I thought that was the reference, but you're absolutely right. They they categorically state no one was hurt, no one was injured. That's a Batman MO. That's the that whole point. It's like the GCPD, don't really want to follow up on this one because well, if nobody died and it's only criminals that it's happening to, why would you follow up on it? Which is yeah. the whole relationship between those characters mentioned in a throwaway line. Nice touch. And
0: to be honest, I'm the first one to want to kill a croc reference in there, <laughs> to be honest.
1: True. <laughs> but we do have another element of the relationship between the GCPD and Batman. We have that moment where um, Harper and Jim Gordon are off investigating this whole... Uh, robbery from the US uh, armed forces place where the C4 was taken and we have Batman crossing their paths because he's investigating exactly the same thing and he saves the lives of both Harper and Jim we find out that actually the bo- bodies that were left behind in the warehouse were covered in C4 so if they had discovered them if they had gone near them they would have been killed so it's a nice a nice moment to have an actual interaction between Batman and the GCPD early on when he's telling them that he's a friend
0: yeah I mean, I, I think it's uh, again, it's a really atmospheric moment in this episode in the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing the voice echo through the warehouse, yeah, um, you know, Jim gets a glimpse, and then it, it's starting to realize that maybe this is someone who is an ally, who is a friend. You know, isn't trying to to kill them because that, to begin with, they think he uh, th- this shadowy figure is the person that has killed all these people in the warehouse mm-hmm. and then yes with the the realization that he told them not to touch the bodies and that they would ultimately have exploded with the c4 yeah. then they they kind of are able to sort of look slightly differently and um, at this dark figure and um, prowling around gotham
1: yeah yeah and we close out the episode, really, the way it always had to end, really, don't we? We have two, three of the major characters, three of the friends of Bruce Wayne, Jim Harvey and Alfred standing atop the GCPD, revealing the future bat signal on the roof of the GCPD, lighting up the sky. And we have Alfred repeating the famous line from the beginning of the episode, in the darkness, let there be light in the darkness, there will be light. You know, that whole concept that was brought out by Jim Gordon to poor Bruce Wayne at the feet of his dead parents at the beginning of the first episode where he's saying to him, I'll take care of you and I'll make sure the city isn't in darkness. And now there's kind of a handover with this new Batman. It's directly after he's taken out Riddler, Penguin and Joker, who've all had plots to either destroy Jim or destroy the city of Gotham. Um, it's really interesting that we have this moment where he's saying, I'm here now. Don't have to worry about those crazy, creepy characters. That's what I'm here for. And it, as the camera pans across the city to him and Harvey going, who is that guy? And Jim saying, it's a friend. Jim knows exactly that this person is there to help them.
0: It's such a cool, cool moment and really nicely done. I mean, I I thought this was a great ending to the, the episode and to have then the bat symbol fly in behind Gotham. Again, just so nice with at the start of the end credits, mm-hmm. um, but that was really nice, and it was great to see uh, David Mazouz there being able to fulfil, you know, I think something that he's really wanted to do for a long time, which is were the the bat suit. Yeah. Uh, you hear that he is obviously a massive, massive fan of the Christopher Nolan films, and to have that cowl uh, and cape and bat suit. And uh, I thought that was really a great moment. And indeed, I, I thought the cowl was very reminiscent of the Batman Begins uh, and Dark Knight Trilogy cowl.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a shame, obviously, that the show didn't run long enough for actually David Mazous to be in the suit. That is obviously a stunt person. The suit's built for a six foot four uh, stunt performer who's in the suit itself. But that is David's face. Grafted onto the the, okay. the the guy himself. I didn't
0: realize that. Yeah. Oh no, that means I have to take everything back.
1: What a shame. No, unfortunately, yeah, they they couldn't. They weren't able to get. Uh, David in the suit itself. He's, you know, he's a little bit too young. We saw it. We see him at the start of the episode. You know, this has only taken a week after the the previous episode was filmed. You know, it's it's not like we've we've had six months or a year for him to be able to to build up and and get ready for the suit. It's a very quick turnaround in these episodes as a TV show, obviously. And um, one of the sad things I, I saw during the week an interview with uh, with Danny Cannon and John Stevens about this final episode, where they said now that they were going to do an episode with the bath suit, they went to Warner Brothers asking could they use a suit from the movies or the TV shows? And they said, no, um, unfortunately. And then Uh, they, then they went to the film production company and said, could they use any of the suits at all? Any of the, any of the old suits, one of the, um, possibly one of the stunt suits for, for the episode. And they said no as well. So, uh, once again, Gotham having to fight for everything that they could possibly get to create the show that they wanted to create for the fans of this show, you know? Uh, it feels like they just got no support towards the end from the people who are responsible for all that. So they effectively had to make their own suit. If you see the close-up shots of the suit, it is different from every suit we've seen before, but has some similarities. It has, does have some touches.
0: Well, good on them, because, to mm-hmm. be honest, I thought the suit looked really, really well done. Had I it? mean, for me... It was very difficult to tell, and certainly, I, I thought the the head and cowl aspect was very uh, Dark Knight trilogy, definitely, definitely, with a very pointy ears. Um, I think on that one, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, but it looked good, and I yeah. I really am glad that they got that moment of you know the the future bat signal shining into the sky, of Gotham jim harvey and alfred looking up as he's on the edge of the skyscraper
1: uh in the 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 bat suit classic classic, classic stuff indeed, yeah. yeah, a couple of quick notes uh, just about the episode. I, I just thought it was quite interesting the way that jeremiah 's plan was playing out uh, as you had the security guard shooting himself in the head and Harvey taking the phone call where he effectively follows all of the instructions from Jeremiah for some reason that we don 't get to hear. I was wondering if this was something that originally was supposed to be the spell of Mad Hatter. Um, jeremiah has used the character before to convince people to do his bidding effectively, so I wondered. Maybe they couldn't get the actor back, and it was just an indication that Mad Hatter was used, possibly, to encourage these people to do exactly what they were being told to do. You know, I just wondered.
0: I think that's a really good idea, and I think it's a great mechanism for getting people to act above and beyond their fear. Because, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I think, to me, it makes sense that it would be uh, the Mad Hatter working again Mm -hmm. with uh, Jeremiah here, for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then some of the newspaper articles, as you see the uh, the newspaper that's being read uh, by the security guard in Arkham Asylum, just interested to see that Gotham is still going to the absolute dogs. We see a mob boss dying in a car crash, one of the headlines in the front page. And then we see Mayor's own cousin mugged as one of the other headlines with the return of Mayor Aubrey. I just think it's fun that they had a news story about his cousin getting mugged in the city. He's still not fixing the city. This is still crazy, Mayor Aubrey. Just one final one, uh, the Joan Jett song that's used in the episode Crimson and Clover. It's such a great song. It's It's used in sirens bar when barbara goes back to pick up the uh pick up the gun it's a a song that's been used back in uh, the season finale of th- of season three uh the episode directed by rob bailey as well uh, it's just a great song that you always hear in the background uh of of this of sirens so it's nice that they picked out one of their one of the favorite songs i suppose has been used in the past a nice little touch got the moment of the week john for me i suppose there's two There's always two, really, isn't there? One has to be our introduction to Batman at the end of this episode. Absolutely, yeah. kind of has to be the Gotham moment of the series in some senses. Yeah, yeah, definitely. (laughs) And then I think having Riddler and and, uh, and Penguin hanging out of a a lamppost uh, in true... True style, saying farewell to uh, to Batman sixty six in Gotham. I suppose. Is I great think as
0: well. The other moment for me is the death of Echo. I thought yep. it was just really nicely done. You get the hint to Harley Quinn or Harleen Quinzel, mm-hmm. um, depending on how you want to say it. You get that. Um, I think Echo was a great forerunner to mm-hmm. those characters as well. And I think you know, just the the, the blood coming out of the mouth was really. Sad. Yep. Kooky over the topness that we expect of Echo. Yeah. uh So, really nicely done. I think for me, Gotham character of the week, it was great to have Mayor Aubrey back. Um, <laughs> so but of course, again, Batman as well. Uh, and of course, I would say his nemesis, Joker. That was a really good look to the Joker. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. I have to give a lot of props, as I said, to Lily Simmons. I think it's a thankless job coming in for one episode of a show, especially after five years of one other character playing. The role that we saw, I think she's the first character we see on screen right back in the, in the pilot episode. So Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's sad that we don't see uh, Cameron Bickendover in the episode, but Lily Simmons does a really good job for this final episode. John, take think it's to you. How do you rate the series finale of Gotham, Legend of the Dark Knight, The Beginning?
0: Do you know, I think, uh, I give this five bat signals out of five, yes. um, you know, the, the, it's not perfect, but I think this encapsulates a really great introduction to a really anticipated, um, season finale and mm-hmm. series finale as well. Uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I loved how it brought all the main characters that are still there with Gotham, uh, back onto the screen, um. Yeah, I would have loved to have, have Cameron Beacon Dover there as well, but um, Lily played a great Catwoman. Yeah. I think it was just nice having you know three disparate elements um, causing a bit of trouble and strife to bubble up <laughs> uh, on the streets of Gotham. Uh-huh. Is it Mr. J? Is it Oswald trying to regain his King of Gotham? Yeah. Is it the uh, appearance of the Batman? And it's a bit of column A, column B, and column C. And I just thought it was nicely done. And um, then to have it sort of finish uh, with the Batman emerging in Gotham. Just excellent. So I give this five Bat
1: Signals out of five. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a spoiler-free review of the episode just after we watched the episode. Overall, my only complaint with the episode is actually... That some of the nostalgia that's in the episode feels a little weirdly placed when you've only seen an episode of the show, episode 11, like five days before is when we saw episode episode 12. But I am absolutely certain in a couple of months time when I'm rewatching all of season five, you will be able to see this season as the love letter to the fans that it is. Some people have complained this final episode, they wish it had been longer, they wish there had been more Batman, they wish there had been more Joker, they wish there had been more going on with Jim, they wish they'd seen the 10 years in the future, or all the episodes between now and when this happened. But, hey, what do they always say? Leave them wanting more, isn't it? well yeah yeah so this season if you really think about it this 12 episode season would never have happened without the fans and it really felt at times that they were saying i don't care if new people are going to watch this show this is for the people that have watched it from the beginning and the people that have been interested in the characters that gotham created and the ride and the journey that gotham was taking you on and they've ended it in a great place where we actually see i think a great batman episode of the show we see definitely great moments where Batman's doing what Batman does in the background. We don't see those moments of Bruce Wayne because that's the Bruce Wayne movie. This is still Gotham. This is about all the other characters that we've dealt with in Gotham, and particularly Jim Gordon and his relationship with the city. This episode was about Jim Gordon about to go into retirement until he realizes actually he has a real ally now for the first time in five seasons, someone that can really help out and clean up the streets. So I thought it was a perfect little ending to this wonderful show that didn't get all the budget and all the viewers that it deserved over the years.
0: But it got five seasons and it did a whoppingly phenomenal job uh, with it. So a big thank you to everyone who has participated in Gotham. Cast, crew, showrunners,
1: production, you name it. Um, It's been really good. Absolutely. Totally agree with you, John. Huge thanks to everybody involved in the show.
0: Yeah. Now let's hear your thoughts uh, in our feedback section for this final episode of Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. First off, an email through from Sam Baxter. Derek and John, I finished watching the series finale of Gotham a little while ago, then read your well-written spoiler-free review. Thank you. I really enjoyed this episode. While it wasn't the best of the season, there were some excellent ones. I thought it was a fitting conclusion to the series, and had some nice touches, including the closing scene that gave me the feels. Mm-hmm. It was so cool to see the proto-bat signal lit up with Gordon Bullock, and Alfred looking up at Batman, and I liked what they did with the Batsuit. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite moments was what Joker said to Gordon about missing Bruce for all those years. I thought that kind of paid homage to Joker in The Dark Knight when he told Batman, you complete me mm-hmm. in the interrogation room. Yeah. I also liked that other key characters had a good amount of screen time during this episode, and I thought that Lily Simmons did a nice job in the Selina Catwoman role. I'm sure that I will have additional thoughts after I process the episode some more and rewatch it, but with this being the finale, I wanted to share my immediate thoughts. I look forward to hearing your recap of this episode, Sam. Thank you so much, Sam, for that. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is a tough episode to get right, and I think pretty much by and large they they did that. Yeah. They got some good screen time of all those people involved. And yeah, I think the proto bat suit, the proto bat signal, uh, all of that coming together. Uh, the you know the Joker
1: being there so so good yeah mm-hmm. absolutely thanks so much for that Sam uh, we also have an email in from Natalie massive email thanks so much for sending the email into us Natalie we're going to just take some bits out of this email for as you mentioned for uh, this episode and Natalie says hello lads after falling silent due to the time it took to about listen and respond to your podcast I am back one more time with my own final thoughts on Gotham. Last thing's first, let's talk that finale. I loved that it felt like a premiere episode in many ways. It would be easy to strip out the callbacks and Easter eggs to past events and use 90% of the finale script as the pilot to a new Batman show. There's even an obvious season one arc where separately Gordon and the Rillers sleuth out who Batman is and Lucius and Alfred urge Bruce to let Gordon in on the truth and begin the alliance we know in the comics. Plus, the cute and feisty Barbara Lee Gordon could start her own superhero evolution in an echo of Bruce's. That's a nice touch. Yeah, I think that would be kind of cool to see that if we saw that in the future. I do think it's probably they will need some time if they ever wanted to do this as a show. They do need some time away from away from where the show is at the moment. But yeah, really nice touches. Natalie continues, when I heard that Cameron candova would not be future Selina, I was disappointed. But I respected the decision because I knew she must have had good reasons. And I applaud the excellent casting and makeup for aged up Selina. This decision made better sense when I realised that David Mazouz was not really around for the time jump either. David and Cameron either had to be together for a backcat moment or neither with them. Otherwise, it's a bit too weird to have one but not the other. I do wish we had some future Bruce either as David Mazouz or a recast with the usual ducking out in his own party for a Batman moment or a trip into the rebuilt Wayne Manor with the Batcave below. I wonder if, had season 5 got a full 22 episodes, they would have done two episodes of the time jump. But Gotham was conceived as the Jim Gordon story and the finale stayed true to that, so we saw the Bats emerge from his point of view. That, yeah, that's very true. That's very true. I suppose the way I would look at it is we got 10 episodes and they added two and didn't add anything to this finale episode. They chose to do those two episodes as standalone stories in the middle of the season. So I'm not sure whether we would have gotten any extension to this storyline that we see in this episode unless there was a commissioning of a new series. Remember, you would have had to build a new Wayne Manor set even to be able to to do those scenes with Bruce.
0: But it would have been great to have seen for sure... The rebuild Wayne Manor mm-hmm. and the back cave below. I think that would have been really, really good. And I'm absolutely with you. I think you have to absolutely, um, you know, respect the choice Cameron made not to to come back. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think uh, Lily did a, a really good job here. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I'm coming around to definitely uh, both uh, Natalie, your view and Derek's view that yeah, you either have both of them or. Uh, You don't have either of them, Mm -hmm. or you, I mean, in a sense, you do what they did in this episode, which is limit um the the screen time of of David Mazus.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, one thing I didn't mention actually as we were going through we'd mentioned it beforehand, but I what I do love about this episode is that it's kind of a a jump through all of the sets that are that we've seen all the way back to season 1. We have, you know, Arkham Asylum's in there, gates in there, you know, we have the docks, we have uh, GCPD, obviously, we have a warehouse, of course, have to have a warehouse. Um, you know, have uh, have Wayne Terrors as well you know loads of different sets that we've seen over the course of the series so they did do their best to use what they had available to tell the story of Gotham in just this 42 minute episode Uh, Natalie continues, I disliked the still not quite Joker, both the makeup design and the lack of official naming. I miss the thick head of green hair of classic Joker. Cameron Monaghan is, of course, still great though. And a nice nod to Burton's films with Jack being one of the J J names offered. One of my favorite moments was finding Penguin and Riddler tied together and hung from the lamppost. So comical and so perfectly Batman 66. Even though we knew the final shots were coming, Gotham still surprised us. With Aubrey James back as mayor, only to be promptly kidnapped A callback indeed. Barbara Keene is fully legit as a developer, and what failed scheme threw Penguin into Blackgate and Riddler in Arkham. All are worth some exploring as fan fiction or comic issues. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, definitely. I think the story
0: of what happened to Penguin and the Riddler to get them banged up in uh, both Blackgate and Arkham, I think that in itself would be worthy of a Gotham episode or
1: two. (laughs) <laughs> definitely, definitely. And finally, he says, But the biggest mystery left unanswered in the time jump was, with whom was Bruce heading to study with? A reconstituted League of Shadows? Or was he hiding out in a certain myst- a certain mystical corner of the Marvel Universe? Hmm. Do hmm. think he's in Kunlun, John? <laughs> well, maybe.
0: I, I mean, and it can't be Doctor Fate, because uh, that's Egyptian mythology.
1: Yeah. So, so it's um, Kunlun. We're settling on Kunlun, then. Okay. Well,
0: yeah. Or maybe an outpost of the League of Shadows.
1: It's, there's still some League of Shadows members out there, so uh, very, very possible. Uh, not sure they, they were intending on uh, underlining exactly where he was going, but you never know. Maybe Rachel Ghul... Is back in some sense. Uh, Natalie says, all in all, a great finale. Some head-scratching decisions, but set up many new possibilities for fans to think about. Thanks so much, Natalie. Thanks for all of your email and some great points in there as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Natalie, for the feedback. It's really good to to get your your thoughts through. We have another email from Claire. Claire goes, Hello, John and Derek. The beginning was a beautiful end of Gotham. In my active imagination, I wanted to see a scene of Alfred and our Dark Knight. Apart from that, I am a very happy Gotham fan who has never felt obliged to tune in and watch because and maybe the seasons will get better. Mm-hmm. All the seasons have been fantastic in their own way. The showrunners promised us Batman looking over the city of Gotham, but I loved his presence throughout the episode. I loved the opening of this episode of Bruce arriving at his destination to start his training. Mm-hmm. Cameron B. Kendova passing the torch to an older actress was understandable. Selina is my favorite female character in Gotham, and the way Cameron played her throughout the five seasons is also one of my favorite adaptations. Lily Simmons did a superb job, however, and the scene where she steals the diamond oozes slinky cat moments. Mm-hmm. Her directness with Alfred in knowing Bruce has been watching her didn't feel misplaced. Selina's scene on the rooftop with Bruce was so atmospheric and needed, and I felt we really understood Selena's true feelings towards Bruce. I loved how Lucius and Alfred were Master Bruce's secret, uh, which echoed a lot of Batman Begins' The clever writing from John Stevens not once mentioned the name Batman. The only reference to a bat is one of my favorite lines from Oswald Cobblepot when he is ranting to Enigma. I did not spend 10 years in Blackgate to give my city to a man dressed like a bat. (laughs) Absolutely. Commissioner Gordon's moustache or top lip caterpillar was so funny. I'm glad it was there, but also that it was soon gone. Jim has been a highlight for me this season, and it was interesting that his 10 years as commissioner had been easy where he is at the point of retiring. But with a new friend in the city and protector,
1: he is willing to stick to the job for a longer period. I'm not sure whether it was it's been an easy time as commissioner. I think he's he's <laughs> been he's been finding it reasonably easy, but he's been saying that he wanted to step back away from this stuff and have kind of an office job is what it feels like he'll step back and and step away when somebody else takes on what he needed to do. You see in this episode he's still out investigating with Harper. You know, he's still out investigating bombings in the city of Gotham. He's still running into buildings shedding GCPD, you know. Um, But he's the commissioner of the city. He shouldn't be doing that as often as he is. What he's saying is, I'm only really doing that because um, nobody else has stepped up to take my place, really. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. And um, Claire goes on to say, Oswald Cobblepot never fails to impress me. He may be thicker around the middle and certainly he's less forgiving, especially towards Jim, but determination as always is admired. The revisit to the pier with Jim was so good as he generally wanted to kill Jim for pushing him back into Blackgate after standing shoulder to shoulder with him to save the city. Mm-hmm. Edward Nygma again shows he can handle his time in Arkham Asylum. The big surprise and welcome was... He spent most of his time with Jeremiah Valeska, who has pretended to be brain dead. Cameron Monaghan has put so many different performances in to make Gotham's take on Mr. J. I loved his final outing at this crazy, disfigured, emotionally broken character. Using Jim and Barbara's daughter was probably predictable, but it was a great showdown and a fantastic way for Mr. J to see there is a new protector that has Batarangs and will use them. I I think you're so right here, Claire. I think Cameron Monaghan has provided so many different um, slants on this character. If you think back to Jerome, you think back to Jerome reawakened from the dead by Professor Strange. Mm -hmm. Then you think of uh, his, I suppose, sane, in inverted commas, twin brother, Jeremiah. Then Jeremiah going crazy. And now, you know, post falling into the ace chemicals vat uh this this new other person that will begin with a j yeah Uh, it's just really pretty impressive, for sure.
1: He's done such a great job. I love the joke in here when he's talking to Barbara going, oh, that was a different version of you, but there have been a few different versions of me, really, haven't there? (laughs) That lovely touch from Cameron And and I know that you're saying here, Claire, that that, um, it might have been a bit predictable to some people that he'd be going after, Jim and Barbara's daughter, but I suppose that's part of the challenge that Gotham has always faced, isn't it? That it's trying to reference things that we've seen hundreds of times in the comics over 90 years, you know? So sometimes things are predictable because... It kind of has to happen. It's 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 where the story is destined to go, I suppose. So lovely that they brought this into this final episode. Again, is just setting up something that we knew was the inevitability of Gotham at some point, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, Claire finishes with, everyone in this episode was amazing. Mm-hmm. Ed, Harvey, Lee, Barbara, Lucius, and Alfred... Uh, He looks so proud, especially seeing Master Bruce looking down on the city of Gotham. I can't call a favorite scene in this episode. It had all elements of joy and emotion. Mm -hmm. For me, Robin Lord Taylor has been my standout character of the seasons. Thank you to you both for the amazing podcasts and meeting you both at the couple of conventions. Look forward to your future podcasts, Claire. Thank you so much, Claire, uh, for the feedback. It is Always great to get your thoughts. I think, um, you know, fans alike really enjoy uh, discussing these fantastic episodes. And Mm -hmm. I think this is a a really um, emotional moment for all fans when it's the the final episode of the series. So, uh, and, you know, the the community that's grown up, whether it's with Gotham TV podcasts, whether it's collaborating with Gotham addicts or with other Gotham podcasts as Mm -hmm. well, uh, as well as fans such as yourself, Claire, and others that we've met at conventions, it is just really good to get your thoughts um uh, from from you so yeah thank you so so much
1: absolutely thanks so much for being with us every step of the way and staying with us over these years with all the kind of messed up schedule that we had from when we were living in ireland and when we weren't getting the episodes for a year sometimes after the episodes came out in the u.s Uh, thanks so much for staying with us all of our fellow gothamites and everybody that watches the show and talks to us over the podcast. A few more bits of feedback over from our Facebook group as well. Charlotte Baines says, The finale is my heart. A beautiful five-year journey. Mr. J, he was crafty. He used Jervis touch to hypnotize those guards. Anytime someone says Jeremiah or verbally makes a reference to him, they blow their brains out, slit their throat, or when Harvey kept yelling at Jim, don't say his name. See, I knew I wasn't the only one. Charlotte also thinks that uh, that possibly... Yeah, I think it's a involved. great theory. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Charlotte. Charlotte continues, the Gotham writers are genius, poor Echo though, faithful to Jay to the end, but he callously kills her. This Jay was viciously awesome, loved Jim's moustache, Barbara's red hair as a reference to their daughter Batgirl's persona. Barbara's rich queen of Gotham, but in a good way. I miss Cameron, but Lily Simmons did an excellent Selina. She mimicked her very well. Awesome actress. Alfred and Lucius, I love them together. They're Bruce's support system dedicated to him. Lee and Harvey, I love them too. Ed and Oswald remind me of the 16th Batman series. Comical, especially when Batman foiled their capers. Tied and hanging in the <laughs> air. I loved seeing Bruce after that beginning. He really wasn't physically there. Well, they added his morphed voice when talking to selena she loves bruce but she keeps that diamond bruce's chin (laughs) was on that batman too kind of iconic line alfred's reference to jim in the alley and they all looked up at bruce batman on the tall building jim calling batman bruce just a friend i'm happy and sad end of an origin story loved it all love you guys and all of our gotham family what a ride thanks so much Bruce. well thank you so much charlotte for that uh really good
0: uh, to get your your thoughts, um, yeah, absolutely. So many good moments in this episode and across the series, mm-hmm. and really good to have the you know the the, the danger, the drama, the the comedy, the fun, um, the references to Batman sixty six, the references to the Dark Knight trilogy, the look at comics, the look at the the cartoons, you know, all just really, really nicely done. Uh, Roger Sprong over on Facebook also says, In the podcast, I hope you get into the final exchange between Selina and Bruce Batman. That was one of my favorite moments. Selina has rarely opened up like that before. But when Bruce Batman says, return the diamond, she hesitates and then says, like hell. Ha <laughs> ha absolutely roger um i love the fact that she's kind of like no i'm keeping
1: this diamond thank you very much um it was so so good absolutely yeah great great moment. richard blaze says what a finale it was satisfying whilst also showing how it could continue a fully well-rounded conclusion to the whole gotham story i'm sad it's over but happy we got to see it in all its glory I totally agree with you, Richard. Yeah, lots yeah definitely. Lots of touches of how it could continue as a show, but uh, yeah, a lovely way to end this Gotham show.
0: Yeah, definitely. Sam Baxter returns just like the Dark Knight um, <laughs> over on Facebook saying, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought that it was a fitting conclusion to the series and had some nice touches, including the closing scene, which gave me the chills. While I'm sad to see the series end, I'm also glad that we got this final season. It wouldn't have felt right if they had ended things with season four. And this way, there was a more sense of closure. I completely agree, Sam. I think we are blessed that we got the season five. And that they really moved the the series towards uh, being able to have this really great closeout to season five and to the series with that as you say uh, a really amazing closing scene which is so iconic mm-hmm. um, and i loved how the bat symbol flies uh through the cloud uh at the start of the closing credits with
1: gotham uh on the screen i thought that was really nice as well so cool so cool finally teresa Sephotas says You had such a terrific WTF moments video this week. So much to talk about with this finale. A few things I noticed and wondered about Babs red hair. The first thing that came to mind was Batgirl hair. I wondered if Barbara Lee would use her mom's look for her Batgirl disguise. They seem close, which was nice to see in the episode. Barbara Lee saw firsthand what Gotham villains could do. That's really interesting. Yeah. Maybe she does take that look from Barbara Keen in this episode and and incorporate that into her bat suit in the future. That's really cool. Uh, Teresa continues saying, I also wondered if the Batman voice was David's as well, only edited. Yep, it definitely was. Yeah, it was definitely his voice. You can you can hear it when you when you hear that conversation with Selina. You can hear some David in there too.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, then, yeah.
1: And, and finally, Teresa says, is it me or was Jeremiah channeling Marlon Brando in this episode? <laughs> Seeing the future Bat-Signal was great. I got the feeling Gordon figured out that Bruce was Batman in the end. I have to say, I felt exactly the same thing. I felt like Jim was going, oh, I've put two and two together. I'm a pretty decent detective i know this is the character there are some versions of the story where jim has always known that batman is batman in the same way that aunt may knows in some stories that spider-man spider yeah, exactly. parker you know but there's no point in t- saying it to anybody because they're on your side right you don't need to tell anybody if he needs to have that protection to keep his friends and family safe and why why spoil it for everybody i suppose yeah
0: yeah no absolutely um i really got that sense as well and i think it, for me it felt more because Alfred was giving it up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, because Alfred was omnipresent here, but Bruce Wayne was nowhere to be found. However, there was this moment where it kind of ties them together, really. And um, so, yeah, really good. Yeah,
1: Thanks so much for, for your feedback, Teresa. Thanks to everybody that's been a part of Gotham TV podcast over the last five years yeah yeah Everybody sent us feedback and everybody's listened to the podcast even if you're listening right now and have never once sent us in a, a letter or an email or a, a message to our facebook group or on twitter if you followed along you've listened along to the episodes i listen to loads of podcasts and I never send in any feedback i always feel sorry about it don't feel sorry just your listening has been an absolute pleasure that we know you're out there we ha- we do see our stats we do see who downloads us as well so yeah, yeah. it's really cool thanks so much for joining us for all of these years for gotham tv podcast
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gotham was the first show that we um, ever podcasted about. Mm-hmm. There was some horrific ups and downs with the international release dates that kind of, you know, me- meant that we were there or we weren't. So I think yep. with Channel 5 and just delaying a lot of Season 2 and mm-hmm. and then Season 3, uh, it-, it was difficult. And living the rights. Uh, yeah. L- yeah, exactly. But, you know, the great characters... Uh, in here great characters being reborn killed off reborn again locked up uh, escaped locked up again yep. you know great characters that were recast for other reasons great characters that just um left the show or were written out because of a change of direction mm-hmm. uh, but in all um these these times um gotham has you know, managed to keep a, a, an essence there and it's evolved over time, but it's always been, um, one of, I think a faithful look at the Gotham universe, whether that's been from the, the first 12, 13 episodes were much more about the precinct about the GCPD, mm-hmm. um, certainly much more about Gotham central and the comics moving then more to incorporating, the different elements that come from Batman 66. So there's been a huge amount of um, variation in Gotham, and uh, it's been great to share that, the highs and the lows, with our fellow Gothamites mm-hmm. and fellow detectives over on Gotham TV Podcast.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. Hope you'll hear more from us in the future. Uh, if you do want to hear more from us on Gotham TV Podcast, on Gotham, on TV podcasting in general, make sure you subscribe to us over on tvpodcastindustries.com As we mentioned earlier on, we will be covering Pennyworth later on in the year. It's coming out at the end of July. Uh, We'll probably have an episode where we talk about uh, the the official trailer for that show that's coming up. Hoping to get a couple of cast interviews for the show. They are much closer to us locally here, so we might be able to get a bit more uh, interactions with the cast as the show starts to come out uh, later on in the year. First up, though, on TV podcast industries, we're going to be covering Good Omens from Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, the new show that's coming out on the 31st of May on Amazon. Uh, All six episodes of the show are being released on the same day, but we will be doing episode-by-episode spoiler-filled discussions about the show so you can watch along and listen to the podcast in whatever order you want to so you'll hear our thoughts about uh, one of my favourite comedy novels of all time, really.
0: Yes, if you go to YouTube and search Good Omens, (laughs) um, there is certainly a very... Python esque uh, video as the nuns from oh, the Silent Order of
1: Beryl, yes.
0: Yes, the Silent Order of Beryl welcome their evil protege in, <laughs> and he's been a very, very naughty boy.
1: <laughs> he's been a very, very cute boy with not even any hooves on his feet.
0: Oh, and a naughty, naughty antichrist. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Really looking forward to that. It's going to be a very different type of show. I think uh, we're, we're covering that. But loads and loads of great stuff coming up uh, on TV. Uh, sad to have lost Gotham. Um, it's been a wonderful ride for the last five years. But thanks for joining us all the way through it. And thanks to thanks to those of you who have interacted and listened along, as we said.
0: Yeah.
1: When I was listening back to the final edit of the podcast and just going through their final touches to fix up the episode, I realized that neither of us had said a huge thank you to one big group of people that has made this podcast really special for us over the years all of the awesome actors and people behind the scenes in Gotham who've uh, some of them come on board on the show and some of them organized the interviews you know we've had Andrew Sellon this year who played Mr Penn we 've had him on twice this season we've had Francesca Ru Dodson who played echo had her on earlier on this season we've had Devin Bazous who plays Bruce Wayne, the ganger 514A and Batman we've had him on four times throughout the, throughout the show. Andrew powell has been on a few times played Butch Gilzean and Solomon Grundy back earlier on in the season. We also had Sean Pertwee on really early on in the show. Um, his performances off with Pennyworth, always one of our favourite characters on the show. Uh, so many other cast members that we interviewed at other conventions. We interviewed Robin Lord Taylor, Corey Michael Smith, with Drew and David uh, back in at Heresville and Fan Fest in London last year. And then back in New York Comic Con, we had uh, Jim Gordon himself, Ben McKenzie, with uh, Robin Lord Taylor, Corey Michael Smith, Aaron Richards, who obviously played Barbara Keane, uh, Jessica Lucas, who played Tabitha the Galavan, James Frain, who played Theo Galavan and Azriel, Michael Chiklis, who played Captain Barnes and the Electrocutioner, and all of that along with executive producer John Stevens. And then previous before that, we head back in New York Comic Con 2014, we had Ben McKenzie and we met Donald Logue, who played Harvey Bullock possibly at the time the biggest actor on the show but that's where we met Sean Pertwee and Aaron Richards and the showrunner uh, originally Danny Cannon uh, back in 2014 in New York Comic Con last but not least we also want to thank Victoria Cartagena and Andrew Stewart Jones who played Renna Montoya and Christmas Allen in Gotham season one they were the first people we ever interviewed for Gotham and they got in contact with us or we got in contact with them before the show even started running and they were gracious enough to come on board with us for two episodes two interviews uh, back in season one we've been pretty regular contract with Victoria over the years and she's always been really thankful of all of the fandom that remember her from her time on Gotham she's had a great role uh, on Jessica Jones season 2 and she's had a number of other high profile gigs over the years uh, always happy to see the cast of Gotham go on to different things and hugely proud of all of them for coming on board with myself and John over the years and having conversations about the show and listen to us being nerding out about, uh, about the show and about their performances on there so thank you to all of them along with all of you our listeners
0: as always fellow gothamites it is a pleasure speaking with you uh, and we want to take this opportunity to say a big thank you to you all uh, and to all take care and to really love one another Mm -hmm. Uh, that's it old friends that's the end of our adventure at least for gotham Mm -hmm. Uh, as always there is another as they say in star wars (laughs) and we will be back with pennyworth uh, as well as good omens please check us out at tvpodcastindustries.com. And so, of course, we will be back with you again soon. GCPD!
1: This is Victoria Cartagena. I play Rene Montoya on Gotham.
0: Hey, this is Andrew Stewart-Jones. I play Christmas Allen on Gotham. Do not cross Allen and Montoya. How would Alfred deal with these two visitors to Gotham from Ireland?
1: Well, I mean, first of all, how did you get to the goal? And uh, and secondly, I'd I grasp you firmly. Aldo and I'd walk you very smartly to the gates, and I might even show you my commando knife.
0: <laughs> you could set the dogs on us as
1: well. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't need dogs, mate.
0: When we were in in, in San Diego, the show wasn't on yet, mm. so um, it's an odd thing to interact with fans who haven't seen it yet, because they're excited, and, and also, yeah. you know, this is not going to suck, right? You know, <laughs> and <laughs> you're like, no, no, I really think it's going to be good. Um He really just wants to get to the finish line. He may want to stash some money on the side, you know, legally or not. And he wants to get to his pension. And then Jim Gordon comes in and he's seen 50 of these guys. Except they've never been Jim Gordon. They've never had the kind of moral fiber of this guy. And it reawakens in Bullock the thing that, you know, Jim Gordon's such a strong character that it it changes Harvey. You know, it reminds him of who he used to be.
1: Uh, one of the big things about, about Gotham is the strength of the female characters in the show. Can you tell us a bit about Barbara's strength, where she gets it from, yeah. where she brings it good to it? Good character,
2: you? good question. I'm glad we <laughs> came to you. Um, yes, Bruno um, Heller are a fantastic creator, writes amazing female characters. I've always watched this programme, always had these fantastic female characters, which is so brilliant to play and so important and I feel like Telly really is leading, television is really leading the way at the moment with this. And Barbara um, personally I feel like um, she's such an interesting character. So she's really strong very intelligent she's really motivated she's always she comes from money but i think it doesn't even matter if you know you, you still have to it sometimes it's harder i think if you come from money to really find a path in life because you get given everything on a plate so she's really kind of forged her way and she's got all of this history behind her and i think the really interesting thing about barbara is even though she's really strong which Loads of women. Most women are really strong. She also has all of these amazing like weaknesses and character flaws, and all of these things that it doesn't take away from her strength. It's like just another part of her. Because this is the fantastic thing about Bruno's writing is um, a lot of women on TV are just kind of boxed. You know, like that's the hero. That's the you know the, the poor broken hearted one and. Bruno and other amazing writers at the moment, I think, especially for telly, are creating women who are just multifaceted, like they have, they can be strong, but at the same time they can be like lonely and hurt, and that's just everyone, you know, it's women and men, it's just people, but finally we get to like play those.
0: I'm John from Gotham TV Podcast, um, how does Ed Nigma's other side um, develop now that he's let the other side out the box, and what implications might that have for Christine Kringle? Oh, many, many information. Uh, well,
1: we'll see on Monday. I think there was a sneak peek released by somebody uh, where uh, you know Dark Enigma is is
0: essentially the catalyst for Ed to get the things that he wants, which is you know attention from Kristen, uh, love from Kristen, a date, um, and so he's he's just going to be pushing him pushing him to. To man up and have some courage and take chances, and so we'll see. We'll see Ed finally just like
1: just say what he should have said about <laughs> about 20 episodes ago. Which is like, <laughs> will, you, will you go on a date with me or go on a date with me? Don't even ask. Just tell it. Hey, this is Drew Powell. I play Butch zine on Gotham. And- this is Francesca Root Dodson. I play Echo on Gotham.
0: This is Andrew selen Mr. Penn, and the ventriloquist on Gotham.
1: And this is Scarface. This is Robin Lord Taylor, and you are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. You are listening to Gotham TV Podcast. I'm David Mazuz, and you're listening to Gotham TV Podcast. Thanks for being a Butch supporter. Butch loves you, baby. John, do you want to tell him what they gave us? Him? (laughs) Do you want to tell John Stevens what he gave us with his synopsis for your episode?
0: Yes, I will tell him.